Welcome here. My name is Pastor Jeremy Lobdell. We're delighted you're here to worship with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. This October just keeps getting better and better. You know, it is is an interesting world. Um, Thank you. I appreciate you as well. We're we're deeply thankful. Let me just pray. Lord, we're we're thankful for you and your love and your family, your church and your body. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. So one of the things that I have a good time doing is on occasion, in an appropriate way, engaging a young child. I don't know if you've ever tried this or not, but there's a sort of a effective way and an ineffective way. And the ineffective way, since they're little and I'm big and I'm scary and whatever, is to come up and be like, hi, who are you? That generally doesn't work so well. But instead, a better way is to come alongside at an appropriate point, and instead of saying, you know, what's your name or what's your birthday, you may come with a parallel question that gets you to that place. So, for example, if your child's coming home from school, instead of saying, how was your day, you may want to say, who did you sit with at lunch? Or, what did you play at recess? Who was on your team? And all of a sudden, you get all that wonderful information Another way you could do it is if some little lady looks really pretty and cute, sometimes it's a little bit weird to be say, hey, you're cute. And people are like, okay, how do I respond to that? But you could say, boy, I really like pink. And then you get the whole story. It's fun. It's fun to engage with people and to find the right question to ask them at the right time. And then to hear their involvement or their participation in that conversation, it's actually an affirmation of you. At that point, they're showing you that they trust you and that they're willing to come towards you rather than you having to go after them. Today, we're going to look at Ruth chapter 2, and we're going to see someone who does it really well. This guy's name is Boaz, and what he's doing is basically representing the heart of God. And so as we move through this story I want to show you this story in three parts. We're going to look at basically Boaz, God, and us. Boaz, God, and us. It's going to be like an A, A1, A2 sort of structure. And then within that, what we'll see is the same thing. Should Is there for Boaz, is there for God, and should be there for us. And that is this. When we look at all of salvific history, but in particular this special little case in the book of Ruth, you'll see that God, regardless of where you're at in life, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of your capacity or anything else, God does these things for you. God is, God cares, he is interested, he is active, and he is kind. God is interested, he is actively engaged in your life, 
And he's kind. So before we get there for us, I want to make sure we get it in the right context. So we'll go back to Ruth chapter 2. We'll see how Boaz does it. We'll see how God does it. And then we'll see how we should do that as well. But the three things we're going to walk through today is God's interest, his activity, and his kindness. Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, continues the story of Elimelech and Naomi and Malon and Kilion. But now Malon and Kilion and Elimelech are all dead and gone. And all that's left is Ruth and Naomi. And when they've run home to Bethlehem for refuge, this is what happens next. Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, says this. And behold, notice... The scene is about to change. Someone new has arrived. Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the very first words on his lip are, the Lord, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you, Mr. Boaz. And Boaz said to his young man who is in charge, the foreman, whose young woman is this? And the servant who is in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she is working like crazy. She has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And Boaz goes and addresses Ruth and says, Now listen. What's he call her? Moabite? My daughter. Do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to the young women. Let your eyes be on the field in which they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn, even if you didn't draw it yourself. Ruth fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? Any other women in scripture that find special favor? That you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you have left your father and your mother in native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then Ruth said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to Ruth, come over here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So Ruth sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her the roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied and had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Listen, let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also, accidentally, pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epoch of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also saw that she came home with a doggy bag 
for the food she had left over after being satisfied. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. By the way, my son always notices if I ever come home with a carryout. (laughs) Here's the thing that we want to get at today. These three things. It is this, that God, Boaz, and us should be interested, active, and kind. I tried to bring out some of the little things that we read here, but there's no way I can pull out all the juicy nuggets and tender morsels that are hidden beneath the surface in this sermon. So if you want, you can go online and watch one of our teaching seminars when I dive a bit deeper into all the different word plays and other things going on here. Trust me, it is cool. But for today, I want to get this across that Boaz is super cool because he is active, interested, and kind. He's in this text to show us what a godly man looks like. If you want to have a men's seminar or promise keepers or whatever, this is the guy to go after. Be like Boaz. Here's the first thing that Boaz does, and it may surprise you whether he is macho or tender. You may be a bit surprised. And what you see is this. The first thing is he is interested. He is interested. In verse 5, he asks a question. Whose young woman is this? Now, that is an entirely appropriate question in that cultural context. In order for a woman to be somewhere, she should have someone around her protecting her. Her legal rights in that time period were secured by her husband or her male children. As you know, at this point, Ruth has neither of those, and therefore she's in a very vulnerable position. So Boaz first asked as to her welfare and her provision, and her protection. The first thing he's concerned about is this young lady. Is she okay? Is she taking care of what's going on here? Not only that, but he's so interested that this is the type of a boss that you want to have. He is not the extremely overweight, nonchalant guy who doesn't care, who's sitting in an office way up somewhere smoking a cigar. This is the guy that's down in the trenches who knows his workers, who's familiar with his foreman, who knows what's happening in his place of responsibility. And when he comes down, he notices right away, hey, something's out of place. I think I ought to ask about that. And he goes to his foreman and the first word on his lips are the Lord bless you in Boaz's life. God comes first. The very first thing, it's not just a greeting, it's appropriate, yes, but this is it for Boaz. And you see how that plays out through his life in the next few moments and how he treats Ruth and other people. So first of all, you see that he's interested. He's like, hey, what's going on? Who's this? I don't recognize this person in my field. And he asks the story, and the, and the foreman doesn't, you know, the he doesn't cut off the foreman. In other words, the foreman could have said, uh, I approve or I didn't approve. But instead, the foreman goes through this story and Boaz sits back and listens to the whole thing. He doesn't say, hey, hold on, hold on. Just just cut to the chase. Bottom line, is she okay or not? Do I need to stamp, sign, whatever? Just let me know. Don't tell me the story. Just, no, no. Boaz takes a pause, takes a breath, steps back, says, okay, let's listen. There's a story here. I see something going on with this young woman. Tell me the story. And he's the type of leader who listens. So he's interested. He asks a question. He listens. And then he takes a gargantuan step. You may not see this as a big deal. Because at our high schools, at our schools, all the men and women eat together. It's normal. It's natural. Whatever. 
I actually have been to other countries where the women have to sit aside on the floor while the men are served first, and then whatever's left, they get. But that is not the way it works with Mr. Boaz. Instead, to this Moabite, who his foreman was sure to remind him, look, dude, she's a Moabite. The Moabite who came back from Moab? In case you didn't catch that, Boaz, she's a Moabite. Did I mention she's a Moabite? You're going to hear that over and over again. Don't talk to this little lady. She's not good for you or your reputation, your family, your household, or anything. Let's just do what we normally do. And No, 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 Boaz, it's not like that. He says, hold on, Ruth, come on over. Sit by me. Have some of our best wine and the roasted grain. This is like, uh, anyways, I read about it. It's cool. But it would have tasted good. Have some of this of the choice morsel that we're about to eat. Dip it in the wine. He invites her to dinner. He asks questions. He listens. He invites her to dinner. There's someone in your life that you need to ask, listen, and invite. He's interested. He's also active. He doesn't just stop there once he has the information he needs and disappears, but instead he takes proactive steps. He moves forward with this thing. Okay, now I've gathered the information. But that's not, I'm not going to just let it sit there and die. I'm going to take that and do something good with it. So he picks up that information he's gathered and recognizes that proactive steps need to be taken in order for her to be safe. So it's not good enough for him to tell someone to go deliver a message. He wants to make sure this thing is communicated clearly and nothing gets dropped. So he himself takes the initiative to go to his foreman and his workers and say, Here's the deal. In my house, uh uh-uh. No, sir. None of that funny business with her. You leave her alone, and if you try to mess with her, you mess with me. That's Boaz's word to his workers regarding this young lady. He's a man. Oh, he's getting in the way. He's saying, you don't don't mistreat her. This, as far as, I mean, besides the Old Testament law, this is one of the first, I would say, anti-discrimination, anti-sexual harassment, anti-verbal abuse policies I've ever seen. Early on in the Bible, he's protecting women's rights. And he's saying, look, even though she has no legal rights in our country, as a foreigner with no protector, you're going to treat her different. You're going to leave her alone. And if anyone messes with her, boy, (laughs) watch out. That's right. So, Boaz is a man who protects the young lady. He's active. He's involved. He's interested. And not only that, but he's going to provide for her too. So the thing about the water is if the well is far away from this really hot field and you're in a dry and arid climate, remember the fact there was a famine in the land. Now there's not. This place is not like the plush rainforest jungle or anything. It's hot. It's dry. It's hard work. Like the pickers in California or something like this. She's going to be tired. And then if she had to, she would go back to the well and she may not be permitted to draw from the well. But instead, what he said is, no, no, let my guys go get the water. And even though you didn't have part of it, you can drink it. He's taken all kinds of intentional efforts to make her feel safe, protected and provided for. Even goes beyond that and says, no, look, guys, if uh, she's gleaning next to you, you know what you do is you're picking up the grain. This is what you do.
not worried about their productivity level. He's not counting their bags at the end of the day and saying, hey, you guys got to pick up the pace. That's what they would be thinking. A normal boss would be cracking the whip and say, hey, I need this many EFIPs of barley at the end of the day. And if you don't hit it, I'll hire someone else. But he's saying to them, I'm a little bit different. In fact, I care more about her than your productivity and your quotients. Instead, watch out for the little lady who's behind you and make sure she gets enough. A different kind of guy. He's active, he's interested, he cares, he provides, he protects, and he's kind. He's very, very kind. You can tell that right away in his tone. He's not all macho, tough guy or anything like that. Instead, he's gentle. One of the things that you see in the Hebrew is early on, she refers to herself as a slave. And then in the next section, she refers to herself as a servant. But what does Boaz call her here? My daughter. My daughter. Whoa. You just welcomed in a Moabite? Your family and elevated her status to the same level as the legal landowner of this gigantic plantation? Yes. See, when Boaz speaks to people, he doesn't bring them down. He brings them up. He elevates their character. He raises them to a new level. He doesn't call her servant or Moabite or Moabitess from Moab. He calls her daughter. This is what God's love looks like when he is interested, he is active, and he is kind. He asks questions, he pursues us, he cares. That's who God is. Here's a slide reminding you of these points. Once again, God is interested, he is active, and he is kind. Boaz is here to show us what God is like for us. This is Boaz to Ruth. But what that shows us is what God is like to you. Now, does this mean that God's going to provide you with a sack of grain at the end of today? No. We have to translate a little bit here. And this is what we do. We say, look, there was then, and there's forever, and there's for us. Let's talk about the forever right now. What is God like? Well, one of the things we see is God is interested There are a lot of depictions of God on TV and media. Some think he's just giant, withdrawn, impersonal force that's way out there. But what scripture actually shows us is he is personal and interested in every single detail, just like Boaz. He's not the giant guy up in the tower smoking the cigar. He is one who will incarnate and come down to be with us. Emmanuel. God with us. He's not leaving you here out in the trenches on your own. He's interested. He's active. He's here. And so he comes to dwell with us. And you see this even before Jesus. You see it in the garden. You know what God does? You teenagers listening? You might actually play this game sometime, even though you're big and cool. I promise. Hide and seek. You know, Adam and Eve, they're like in trouble But God already knows they're in trouble before he made them. He knew they would get in trouble. He knows exactly what they did. And yet he doesn't come up and say, what did you do right away? Instead, he says, oh, Adam, Eve, come out, come out wherever you are. Where are you? Lord, we're over here. Why are you over there? We're embarrassed. Oh, yeah? Why are you embarrassed? We did something bad. What'd you do? We're ashamed. Hold on, I'll cover it. 
You see how he works that way? He chases you down in your shame, calls you out, and covers it. He's always been asking questions. He's not leaving you there and just jumping on top and condemning you. He wants you to come to him and repent and lament and then rest. And so he begins to come and he says, look, guys, what did you do? And you know what? That thing that he did with Adam and Eve, he's doing with us every single day. You hear that voice in your heart? You're not crazy. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he's asking you the same question. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? Why why are you doing that? Stop. Listen. Oh, you're ashamed? Come on out. I'll help. I'll give you rest. I'll cover it. Let me provide. That's his word. That's the spirit. That's God speaking to you. He's active. He's interested. He's kind. He asks questions. Listen, God has been asking you these questions each and every day of your life. You've got to hear him. Listen. God is interested. Next, he listens. Let me tell you a fun story. Now, this is, hey, boys, Ezra Zion, this is not to support getting a dog in our house, just so you know. We don't have a pet, but I'm going to tell a positive pet story. When I was a young man in high school, I had this dog named George. And one of the coolest things about George is he listened. Dogs have great ears, right? Well, not only that, but they're great counselors because you can go to them and say, Hey, George, are you interested in my day? And he's like, <laughs> like, oh, man, he really wants to hear from me. George, you'll never believe what happened today. And you just start talking to him and you pour your heart out and you're sharing your feelings. And he, and it's almost like he's just listening. He's like, they said, what? No way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, can you believe that? And you just pour out your heart. That's how I made it through high school, by the way. Me and George. He listened. In fact, he never, ever, ever interrupted. He was a good dog, man's best friend. What do you know? And here's the thing, though. George is just a dog, and George is gone now, and I'm thankful for that experience. But the reality is, you have the Holy Spirit with you, whose presence and power sticks closer than a brother, even man's best friend. And you can pour out your heart to God, and I think what's happened in that moment is the Lord is just teaching me how to pray. Jeremy, this is how you should do it. Just come and talk, and I'll listen. Pour out your heart, say what you're ashamed of, say what you're proud of. Say what you need to repent of. Say who you're frustrated with. Say what you don't understand. Say what you're fearful of. Say what you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then let me do the rest. Just pour it out before him and he will listen. Now, I know it's a little different because there's no dog there and you don't see anything. But he's there and he's real. I dare you if you try it. I bet you'll hear him. We have something way better than George. We have Emmanuel, God, with us. George is listening, but he doesn't know everything. He wasn't there when it happened. And he has no power whatsoever to do anything about it. But our God is everywhere, all the time, knows everything, and can do whatever he wants. Omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Only God is like that. He listens, he's interested, he cares, he's active, he's he's calling out to you to express your heart to him. Why would you hold back? 
He's not going to interrupt. Finally, the other thing that Boaz does, that God does, is he invites people to dinner. Did you know the Lord invites you to dinner? Luke 14, 23 says this, The master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come into my house and be filled. He wants to fill you. Both spiritually, emotionally, metaphorically, and even physically. Now we celebrate that filling via the Lord's Supper as we're reminded of his death, burial, and resurrection. But in that same moment, we look forward to the future coming of the King in which we will be filled forever and ever endlessly with him. We are invited as believers to his table. Now in communion, then at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He invites you to eat with him. Even though we are the we played the prostitute, he welcomes us in and calls us by name. You know what else God does? He's kind. He's kind. Look at Boaz. You know Boaz, he says, My daughter, he blesses her, he gives her all this encouragement. God does the same thing to you. What does he call you? Daughter, son, beloved, dearly loved. Royal priesthood, bride of Christ. This goes on and on of all the good things he's calling you. By name, personally, specifically, and individually. Now it's a group. He elevates your character. Boaz lifts up Ruth. God lifts up us. He invites us to stay. He doesn't just welcome us in for one meal, but Jesus says, abide in me. And I will provide for you and I will protect you. Over and over again, God is demonstrating that he cares. He's interested, he's actively involved, and he's kind. He invites us in, he lifts us up, shows his care. God is good all the time. So, what are we to do then? Well, as with everything in scripture, it doesn't stop there. I mean, I suppose we could stop there and we could be like, sweet, Boaz was a really cool dude. God's a really great God. Let's go enjoy that and be done. But actually, what the Bible says is not only is there a family, but there's also a family expectation. That if you're brought into this family, this family has a certain culture. And you're to become more and more like this as you grow. And as a result, not only is Boaz kind, not only is God kind, but we also should show interest, be active, and kind. Here's the last point, the last part, A2. We can show interest, we can be active, and we can be kind. We'll start with the first one. Boaz asked questions, right? Remember, hey, who's this? God asked questions. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? We should ask questions too. Now we talked about that at the start a little bit. Some questions are better than others, but the good thing is you've got the Holy Spirit and you can just ask him, Hey Lord, I need a question here that's going to help me get at this, but I don't think this, so please help and wait and see. And when it comes, ask. I'll give you a little story that happened once with one of my pastor's friends. Robin, you don't know this is coming, but I think you'll still love me even though. Um, we were at somebody's house having lunch, 
And I kind of know, like, my wife's a musician, so on occasion I may dabble in, like, a musical question, but most of the time I try to step out really fast, that way I don't just totally stumble over myself. And this guy was a nice guy, but obviously he didn't know anything about music either, and so he asked this question that was just totally stupid. I was going, boy, is he going to get it? Oh, man, this is going to be great. He did. But you know what? She heard the question, and she didn't really answer, but then she answered the right question, this long explanation about this and that and this and that, without even having to be asked. I thought, you know what? That's probably what happens a lot. Like, we're afraid to say something because we'll look stupid, we think. But even if we say something stupid, people are still really happy to talk about whatever they're interested in. So you ask them one thing, it doesn't even matter if it's the right thing, and they'll start talking. It's pretty simple. Most people like to talk about themselves. Ask any question. If you don't think you have the right question, just try one. If that doesn't work, try another one. Practice. And eventually you might get there and you'll see, man, wow, they're starting to come towards me. They're explaining their story. And what that means is just like Boaz moving, or sorry, Ruth moving towards Boaz and Adam and Eve moving towards God. What it shows is, okay, we're beginning to trust you. That's an affirmation. That's an encouragement. Somebody's, you know, spilling their guts and you're like, oh boy, I got to go. I'm late. Uh, realize this is them purposely saying, I believe in you. I trust you. I'm affirming you so much that I'm willing to share my story. And I think you may actually be wise enough to have something to offer. Listen, take time to listen. Look, ask the question, but then take time to listen as well. Remember George. You know, you don't have to be that smart to listen. You really don't. One good question and then you're done. And sit back and listen the rest of the time and they'll feel great. They'll thank you so much. Oh man, really appreciate it. No problem. I just went like this. Listen. Take the time. Invite someone to dinner. Now look, I know this is uh, hard in our culture because... We're gone. Last week, we had soccer every night of the week except on Wednesday. Normally, that's not the case, but the reason is because there was rain and cancellations, so we had like a double week in one week. We were gone. But on Saturday after the tournament, everybody's going to the pizza place to celebrate, and so we're like, yeah, we should go. Because here's our opportunity to engage with other people and be relational and connect and ask questions and talk. It may not be like you're all sitting around a campfire roasting grain and you got two or three hours and it's a long conversation. It may be at the water jug or water cooler at work. It may be at coffee. It may be at lunch, whatever. But find some way within your busy life to make contact with another person via food or drink. It's the common denominator that all human beings share. We all eat. We all drink. We can do that with somebody. It's not hard. Invite them to dinner. Invite them to coffee. Show an interest. Actively participate. Now, this one, I don't really know how to apply that to you because it's going to look different. For Boaz, he's a landowner, and he can employ her, and he can bring her in. That's his participation. But for us, it may look different. What does that look like for you to participate in somebody else's life? No doubt, there's a lot of different situations here. And there's a lot of different applications. But whatever situation you're in, however old you are, 
whatever means you have at your disposal, no doubt you can participate in somebody else's life. There was a little kid at the park the other day. He was so funny. He was a year and a half, little diaper boogie bottom, tripping all over the place, nearly hitting his head, walking in front of swings. But he knew two words. They were, me. I meant, help me. Anywhere he'd go, he'd just raise his hands and say, help me. (laughs) And the man, oh, okay, he wants in the swing. Oh, okay, he wants to go down the slide. Oh, okay, he wants something. (laughs) We don't know what it is. But you can help. Be active. Be involved. Finally, speak kindly. Speak kindly. Boaz elevates Ruth. God elevates us. We should elevate others as well. There's so many ways you can do this. And I know there's probably people in your life where you're like, I got nothing to say. I'm looking for something good. There's not a lot there. Find somebody else. (laughs) Do something. I don't know. But there is somebody in your life somewhere that you can affirm something about. That's a lot of somethings, isn't it? Somewhere, someone, something. Affirm them. Raise them up, raise the bar, and see if they will step up and elevate to that level. That's what Boaz is doing to Ruth. That's what God is doing to us, and that's what we should do to others. Look for something, anything. Find it. Notice and call it out. Elevate the people around you. My boys talk about sports. Sometimes they'll get in the car on the way home. They're like, oh, so-and-so is the best player on the team, or so-and-so is the best, or this is the best, or that's the best. And I'm like, hey, hold on, hold on. Yes, they score a lot of goals. Right? They scored a lot. I agree. But are they the best or are they a ball hog? Who's the best? I mean, you can be a really good player and score a lot of goals, but you know what makes a great player? When you help other people score goals. That person who spreads the field and sees the opportunity and works the angles and makes it happen, that's a good player. The one who's willing to pass and let someone else score. That's the one I want on my team. You want to be like Boaz? You want to be like Christ? Raise somebody else's game. Lift them up. So, God cares. Boaz cares. We should care too. Let me conclude like this. Verse 19. Ruth is coming home. She's just had her big day out. She's excited. And her mother-in-law, I mean, come on, think about it, right? Girls, you're on a date or whatever. You're coming home. Your mom's like, how'd it go? Tell me. There's more of that coming, trust me. But she comes home from her first time away, and and her mother-in-law is like, ooh, here she comes. I want to hear all about it. Give me the juice. And she's asking the questions. Says, where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And Ruth told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I had worked today is Boaz. Naomi said, oh, what a coincidence. What do you know? That it just so happens. Hmm. What irony. Could it be? May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. This man just so happens to be a relative, one of our redeemers. Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it's good for you, my daughter. You go out with his young women, lest in another field you'll be assaulted. So Ruth kept close to the young women of Boaz. 
gleaning until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. God is good. He cares. He's interested. He's active and he's kind. Boaz is good. He's interested. He's active. He cares. He's kind. We should be good, interested, active, caring, and kind. Let me give you one last analogy as we close. The word there was redeemer, and we have to ask the question, do we have one of those two? It's really cool that Ruth and Naomi have one. Do we have one? Is there a redeemer that we have? Look at this analogy in verse, it's a metaphor in verse 11. It says, when Boaz was talking to her, he says, the Lord prepare you, repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Now, I think we get part of that, you know, bird, wings, protecting her, chicks. But the cultural element that's really significant there is this. In that arid, dry, and dusty land where fires would sweep across the plain very fast, there wouldn't be much warning, so the livestock or the animals couldn't get out of the way. And so what would happen is the mother hen would call her chicks. They would run to her. She would cover them with her wings and then the fire would sweep over. Mom is dead. What? The little chicks come out alive. Is there anyone who would do something like that for us? there a possibility that we might have a kinsman redeemer who's interested, active, and kind, and comes down to be with us, who might just might take us under his wing and give his life on our behalf? Who is it? That's right. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. You never put your trust in him. Today is an opportunity for you to do so for the first time. Don't run away. Don't go into another field. Stay here and abide in him. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. And he wants to give you life. The only way to do that is repent of your sins and come. Lay your burdens down at his feet. Accept the living water that he has to give. And go home completely full and satisfied. That's the message of our Redeemer who invites us to the table. Boaz, God, us. Interested, active, and kind. Father, we thank you. Praise you for your perfect son, Jesus, and his work in our lives. Lord, there is none like him. We certainly fall short of his perfection and glory all the time, but I pray in some small way this week that we'd be able to live this out. We'd have the right question. We'd be able to listen. We would lift someone up and show your protection and provision for them. Lord, bless us. And we're not just talking material things. We're talking real blessings of you and your presence like we see in the book of Ruth. Lord, may you be honored and glorified and praised. In Jesus' name, amen.